need faith. In this day and age, you need faith. Uh, you know, the, the, the Bible makes it clear that as, the, as the, um, the, the end draws near, in these latter days, people will depart from the faith. People will leave the faith. You need faith to stand in these times. These are troublesome times. Amen. Uh, but you need faith. Jesus posed the question to his disciples, when I come back, will I find faith on the earth? And, and I want you to imagine when Jesus comes back, will he find you living in faith? Living by faith. You know, it's, faith is so critical. It's, for, it's critical, critical for you and I. It's so important. You don't want to take faith for granted. I know some people run away from faith because they've been burnt by faith. And rarely it's presumption or they don't have a great understanding of faith. But faith is too important to take for granted. Amen. Or to overlook. You know, the Bible makes it clear that everything we receive from God is by faith. And it is through faith. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans that we access the grace of God, all the unmerited favor of God, the goodness of God, the kindness of God, the mercy of God. It's all accessed by faith. We access forgiveness by faith. We receive salvation by faith. The Bible says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. So even our eternal destiny, have securing a place in, 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 in the book of life is by faith. It is too important to take for granted. It's too important to belittle or to say, I don't need that. No, no, no. We need faith. You know, healing is by faith. You need to experience the prosperity of God by faith. You need to forgive somebody by faith or love somebody by faith. You need to receive the love of God by faith. Amen. Faith is too important. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. So what pleases God is when we live by faith, we walk by faith, we speak by faith. Faith has to be a lifestyle for the believer. The Bible says the just or the righteous shall walk by faith. We are meant to live by faith. It's supposed to be an everyday thing for us. When we're going to the grocery store, when we're going to work, when we come back home, when we are, we're, we're with family and friends, we're supposed to be living by faith. It's not just a Sunday morning from 10.30 to 12.30 kind of thing. It's something you live every single day of your life. You're supposed to live by faith. The past few weeks, we looked at the definition and the characteristics of faith. And we looked at how the Bible describes faith by itself. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says that now faith is. And it tells us that faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It's a certain confidence that you have that what your expectation is, what you're hoping for, especially in line with God's promises, that it will happen. It's a confidence. When you are not in a place of confidence, you're not in faith. It's a confidence you have that your expectation, what you're believing God for, the good things he has said, will happen. That's the confidence you have in faith. Faith is a certain assurance. It's an assurance you have, and it's a conviction you have on the inside about things you can't see. In other words, it's about things that are spiritual, not just in the things that you see with the five senses. And it's the, the promises of God, the, the word of God, the covenant of God. You can't see it with the, your, your physical eyes, but you see it with your spiritual eyes. And it's so real to you that it's a conviction. It's a confidence, hallelujah. Glory to God. 
You know, faith is also defined in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. The spirit of faith is defined as believing and speaking. And what does believe mean? It means to be persuaded about something to the point where you accept it as true. And you accept it as true and you are confident of it. So you're persuaded about this promise. You're persuaded about the covenant of God, the word of God. And you, you, are, you have that conviction inside of you. You are so confident of it. You accept it as true. Glory to God. And then the other part of the spirit of faith is speaking. Is speaking. You know, so it's believing and speaking. We see that in Romans chapter, chapter um, uh, 10 as well, where it talks about we believe in our hearts and we speak, confess with our mouth. It's all tied together. So when you believe something, when you're persuaded about something and you, you're, you're convinced it's true and, and you are confident of it, it will come out of your mouth. You will speak about it. You will talk about it. You will declare it. Because Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Hallelujah. So the Bible tells us what faith is. It gives us the characteristics of faith. And I'm happy it does that. Because for me, when I'm not exhibiting these characteristics, I know I'm not in faith. I know I'm not in faith. But I don't put myself down because I'm not in faith. Because the Bible says that faith comes. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Hearing and hearing the word of God. Faith comes. So anytime I realize that I'm not in faith, I go to the word. I go to a promise. I go to a word, a promise, a covenant. And I begin to meditate on it. And meditate on it. And reflect on what God is saying. And the more I meditate on the word of God, soon faith begins to come to me. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Because in God's word, in God's covenant, it's faithful. It's faithful. It is full of faith. Glory to God. Today we're going to look at another aspect of faith. Faith in action. There's an aspect of faith that has to do with action. Demonstration of what you believe, what you're speaking. You know, faith is expressed by the actions, the things we do that correspond to what we believe in our hearts and what we're declaring with our mouth. It's all tied in together. That is, it's like, it, it, it's the full cycle of faith. So you believe something, you speak about it, you declare it, you decree it, and your actions should follow what you believe and what you say. That is the full cycle of faith. Actions are critical. It completes the cycle of faith. You know, so you hear a word, you hear a promise. You are persuaded about that word, that promise. You accept it as true. You're confident of it. You begin to speak about it. And soon your actions have to go in line with what you believe. That is the cycle of faith. Hebrews chapter 11 shows all the patriarchs and all the men, the giants of faith like Abel. Abel sacrificed an offering to God. He did something. You go to Noah. Noah built an ark. He heard the word of God. God said, I'm going to destroy the earth the, the, with a flood. You know, and, and Noah believed God. And for over a hundred years, this man was building an ark because he believed. There was action there. Then you look at Moses. You look at Abraham. All of these folks, they did something to demonstrate that they were acting in faith. All of them. You look at David, Jephthah, Gideon. They believed something, they spoke about it, and they acted upon it. So the actions are critical in completing your faith. Actions are critical in completing your faith. 
Abraham, for example, he believed God. And he proved that he believed God by his actions. He believed God. The Bible says he believed God and credited to him as righteousness. And yet we see in his life as he goes on that, yes, he believed God. And you know what? He acted on it. So God said, for example, Abraham, I'm going to take you to a land that you don't know of. And I'm, I want you to leave where you are, Ur of the Chaldeans. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a blessing. Abraham left that because he believed. His actions was in leaving. He was obedient to God. And he said, I'm going to bless you through Sarah. He was obedient to God. His actions showed it. And he believed the promise was through Isaac so much so that he was willing to sacrifice Isaac. His actions confirmed that he had genuine faith. Let's look at Abraham for a few minutes here. So James chapter 2 verse 22, it says from the New Living Translation that Abraham's faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. You know, sometimes we believe something or we say we believe something and we speak about it, but our actions don't correspond to what we say we believe. So the, it's like your faith is short-circuited. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We say we believe something. We speak about it. We decree it. But yet our actions don't correspond to what we believe. So our faith is dead, and we're going to see that in a minute. But when you, you, you believe something, you act on it, and you speak it, and you act on it, it's like the full cycle of faith. It has to come to pass. Sometimes we believe something, but we don't speak about it. And I believe if you're not speaking about the things you believe, maybe you don't fully believe. Amen. So the full cycle is there. So anyway, it says here, yeah, his faith and his actions work together. His actions made his faith complete. When we do things in line with what we believe and what we speak, our faith is complete. Our faith is alive. Glory to God. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, the Bible says, Abraham believed and he obeyed God. He obeyed the call of God to depart from Ur of the Chaldeans. He left. That was his, he, obedience is a powerful demonstration of faith. Obedience. And many times, we, the people of God, we think we are walking by faith, and yet we're disobedient in so many ways. But obedience is a powerful demonstration of faith. Even Jesus went to the cross in obedience because he was walking by faith. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So obedience is a powerful demonstration. James chapter 1 verse 22 says, but we should be, that we should be doers of the word, not hearers only. If we really believe the word, we will do it. If we really believe that we got to forgive our, the person who has abused us or the person who has maltreated us, we will do it. If we believe it. It says, be doers of the word, not hearers only. Now, I'm not saying that it's easy. The walk of faith is not easy. Amen. But it's possible. Hallelujah. So Abraham showed his great faith in God by being willing to sacrifice his son Isaac. You know, it's incredible. God said, I'm going to bring this promise that's going to affect the whole world. And it's going to be through your son Isaac. And then God tested Abraham to see how genuine his faith was. And he said, I want you to sacrifice Isaac. It was a three-day journey. He went to the Mount Moriah, whatever mount it was. And then he was willing. He was willing. He was just about to kill his son. And then God stopped him. He says, now I know. Now I know. And you know why? 
Abraham believed so much that God was going to bring the promise to Isaac. He said, if I kill Isaac, God is going to raise him up. He was persuaded. He knew in his heart that Isaac was the child of promise because God has said so. And so if God says kill him, then okay, God, I'm going to kill him, but you've got to raise him up. His faith was tested. Our faith will be tested. Our faith will be tested. The word or the promise we are standing on, it will be tested. And our actions that follow what we believe will show whether or not we really believe that. So faith is powerful, folks. Faith is powerful. Jesus said that if you say, anyone who says to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart. He's saying that faith can move a mountain. He starts off in Mark chapter eleven twenty two. 22. He says, have faith in God. Then he says, I tell you the truth. Whosoever. Faith can move mountains in your life. But let's look at Hebrews 11.33. It shows how powerful people accomplish things in, by faith. Hebrews 11.33 says, Through faith they subdued kingdoms. They worked righteousness. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. We're thinking of Daniel here. They quenched the violence of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong. Became, became valiant in battle. They turned to flight the armies of aliens. Of the aliens. Glory to God. Look at what faith can accomplish. Look at what faith can accomplish. Powerful. But I want to say this as well. The Bible makes it clear that faith also sometimes requires things that we give up for God. That, a lot of Christians don't like to hear that. But it's in the same Hebrews chapter 11. If you have faith, sometimes it will cost you. It will cost you. Hebrews 11.35 says, women receive their loved ones back again from death. That's a great thing. He says, but others were tortured. Others were tortured. Refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered. They were mocked. They were made fun of. Their backs were cut open with whips. They were beaten. Because of their faith. Others were chained in prisons. Church, what I'm saying here is that your faith, if it is genuine, the actions of your faith sometimes will receive things from God and sometimes it will cost you. Sometimes, you know, how many of us on Facebook, if there's something we are pro, let's say you're pro-life. I, I hope you're, I pray you're pro-life. Amen. But you, you see something on Facebook and it's a pro-life thing and most of us will not click like. Why? Why? Or if there's something that is said that is against what the Bible says, we don't want to stare anything, but we'll go and click something silly concerning something somebody has done or some joke. We will click like. Oh, I'm preaching good today. Amen. Faith can cost you. The point I'm making is that faith can cost you. It can cost you. Amen. The Bible says that faith without works or faith without actions is actually dead. There's no life in it. There's no life in it. When our actions do not correspond to what we believe, the Bible describes our faith as dead faith. Faith without life. James chapter 2 verse 26 says, and the as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Oh, I wonder if our faith is dead in the things we're believing God for. 
because we are not putting corresponding actions to it. That's why I said it can short-circuit the whole process of faith. You believe, you speak, but are your actions in line with what you believe? Are your actions in line with what you speak? Faith without works, without deeds, without actions is dead. When we say we believe something, you know, and, and we're persuaded about it, and we speak it, you know, and our actions don't follow it, then really you don't believe it. So, for example, uh, say, for example, you, you want to believe God, you're, you're, you're believing God for, for a harvest in your life. And you begin to realize from the scriptures that in the book of Genesis chapter 8, it tells you that so long as the earth exists, there's seed, time, and harvest. You know, there's, de there's winter and summer, there's day and night, and so long as the earth exists. In other words, it's a principle of sowing and reaping. You hear this word and it sounds exciting and you know you need a harvest. So what you do, you begin to say, thank God for this scripture. Thank God for his covenant that surely as the day follows the night, so we'll see time and harvest. You know, see time and harvest. It will exist for the whole of creation so long as the earth exists. So you begin to thank God for that. You declare it and yet you never sow a seed. You are short-circuiting the whole process of faith. If you don't sow a seed, because it says, seed, time, and harvest. God says, give, and it will be given unto you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Or for example, if, 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 if you, you, you hear a scripture that says that you should have to forgive, you know, in the Lord's prayer, it says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive. So the Lord is encouraging you to forgive. And you say, yes, I believe the Lord's prayer, and yet you, have, you refuse to forgive. Your faith is dead. You don't really believe it. That's what the Bible is saying. Amen. I want to look at one of the characters in Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to see the cycle of faith in a powerful way. You know, in, in, in Hebrews 11, I think it's 34 or thereabouts, it talks about different guys. Of course, it talks about Abel, it talk, then it talks about Enoch, then Noah, Abraham, Sarah, all these champions of faith, Joseph and Jacob, you know. And then there's a section where it talks about Jephthah, Gideon, David. You know, and all these folks were folks of faith. And I, and I just want to show a story that shows us the cycle of faith. And I know we're going to learn something powerful here. And this is in the life of David. David was a man of faith. And in fact, the, this story I'm going to talk about is about David and Goliath. So he was a young lad. A lot of scholars believe he may have been 15 to 17 years old. So he's like Rodney's son, Elijah. Okay, so he was a young lad, but he demonstrated such faith in a powerful way. And I want us to look at this to, to see how extraordinary his faith was and how the cycle of faith actually evolved. Glory to God. He believed something so powerfully, he spoke, he declared it, and then he acted on it. So David was the youngest of eight sons of his father, Jesse. The first three sons of Jesse were Eliab, Abinadab, and Shammah. And they, they were the, the three oldest, and, Jesse, and David was the youngest. And it so happened that there was a battle between the Israelites and the Philistines. So the three sons of Jesse, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shammah, they went to battle. They were part of the army of Saul, King Saul. David was a youngster. He was looking after his father's sheep. And in fact, now and again, he would go to the battlefield just to take supplies, check on his brothers, bring back word. So that's kind of the background story. Now, in this battle, the Philistines had a, a secret weapon. They had a giant called Goliath. Can you say Goliath? I mean, when you hear Goliath, you think of something that is horrible. You think of something like Godzilla, you know, something that is menacing. And Goliath was menacing. 
The Bible takes four verses to describe Goliath. So it makes wants us to kind of paint it paints a picture of how menacing, how intimidating this giant was. He was a giant. He was nine feet tall. That is very tall. And the Bible describes his armor, how heavy it was, his spear, how heavy his spear, the tip of his spear, his javelin, you know, he, it describes all of that. His helmet, how heavy it was, because it wants to paint a picture of a monster of a giant. And Goliath was not just a giant, he was a champion. In other words, he was somebody who won his fights. So in this battle, he comes out and he begins to taunt the people of Israel. He begins to challenge them and defy them. And he begins to say, look, why don't you send one person? We're going to have you know, from your army and fight so that he fights with me. If I lose, we will serve you. If you lose, you will serve us. Let's keep it simple. Just send somebody. And as the, the people of Israel saw this giant, nine-foot giant, they saw his armor, they saw his spear, they, saw the, they heard the taunts, they were petrified. They were afraid. They were afraid. I want to just read a few scriptures here from 1 Samuel chapter 17. And let's look at from verse, um, let's see here. I have to read a few scriptures. I think the scriptures are so powerful that we can't do without reading them. From verse 8, the Bible says, He stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. He's defying them. He's defying them. He's challenging them. And he says, give me a man that we will fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. That is what circumstances will let us do. When we just evaluate things simply by in our carnal way, in other words, through our, what we see, what we hear, what we touch, with our five senses, they can make us afraid. And that's exactly what the Israelite army was. They were afraid. They were petrified. Now, there's a problem with fear. Because fear will always paralyze you. Fear will, will, will sap the confidence out of you. And what, did I, what does the Bible say about faith? Faith is the confidence of a positive expectation. But fear will sap it out. It will take it out. That is why you and I, we have to resist fear. We have to. It is, it is, there's nothing we can do about it. You've got to resist fear. The Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Hallelujah. So what happens here? David comes on the scene. His father sends him to send some grains of, of some grain, roasted grain, as the Bible says, and some bread, some loaves of bread, ten loaves of bread, and then some cheese. He sends it to, he says, go give it to the supplies, you know, the, whoever is in charge of supplies, and check on your brothers. And after that, I want you all, I want you, you to find out how your brothers are doing and bring back word. So David goes. Now, for 40 days, Goliath has been taunting the people of Israel. He says the same thing. 
bring out a man. He defies the armies. And he says, I defy the armies of Israel. I defy the armies of Saul. He's defying them. Forty days. Folks, the enemy will taunt us over and over and over again. He doesn't stop once. He doesn't stop twice. He will keep on taunting us, challenging us. The more he does it, the more we listen to it, the more we begin to be afraid. And what does fear do? It saps out our confidence. For 40 days, the people of Israel, they could not go out and fight. They were paralyzed. Fear is an enemy. You've got to resist it. 